Coaster Kings Radio. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back again. We have had a long day. Had a really long day. In fact, it's been like two days. Our day started yesterday at 8 a.m. at 8 in the morning. Ains, Connecticut. We went to Lake Compounds and Quasi, and then flew overnight back to Florida. To Tampa, and we took an Uber from Tampa to our apartment. We took a shower and went straight to Universal Studios. We went straight to Universal Studios. Where we ended, we were there like 5.20, we're queuing to park. We parked at 5.30, 5.35, we were walking down the escalators to go to IOA. Yep. Our day started, our, like, our adventure. Our, our Hagrid's magical magical creatures motorbike adventure. adventure. Started <laughs> at 5.45 in the morning, because that's where we queued up at the entrance to Islands of Adventure. And they were pretty cool. Universal, I didn't quite expect Universal to open the gates at 5.45, because I kind of heard that they were going to open parking lots at 6.30, and then, like, gates around, like, 8. But they opened the gates Supposedly, way early. Yeah, suppose the park had said that they were going to open at 6.30, the the um the parking parking garages were opening at six thirty, but they had to open that stuff up at five thirty basically because the streets are full of people. We actually were sitting on the shoulder in a lineup of cars with their hazard lights on, waiting to get into the parking garage. Um, <laughs> on the the bridge, but uh, on what's on Universal Boulevard, the bridge over uh, yeah over the I four I four yeah. So yeah, that was they basically. They were basically strong-armed into opening the, the parking garages early. Uh, we weren't even going to, like, be there until 6.30 originally, but I'm really glad that we wound up going so Yeah, we were kind of hungry, so we wandered into an IHOP, and then I looked at my phone, and I saw on the pass holder page, people are telling me that security told them they were going to open the parking lot at 5.30, and I was like, you know what, let's just get out there, and just in case. I'm glad we did, because... There it was packed. There today. weren't that many people in front of us, but there were lots of VIPs and and people staying on property that were zippered into the queue along with standbys, which is fine. We don't have a problem with that. It was just that we kind of like thought like, oh wow, like this won't take that long. There's not that many people in front of us, but you know, with operational delays and with VIPs and tour guests and and uh, you know all that stuff that comes with it, it was definitely you know, a process, but we didn't wait. We like, I guess the, the burning question is like, how long did you wait? And we waited from, from our, from gate opening from to riding seven hours, seven hours, almost exactly. Yeah. And you could attribute an hour of that to at least an hour of that to a weather related delay. And then, uh, well, the weather delay, the, the weather delay was an hour, but Combining the, well, weather, the delay weather delay with the regular the, delays, and the, there was a at least one breakdown. The ride had a few hiccups during our wait. Send, we're sending out empty trains. In fact, when we finally got to the ride itself, it was mostly empty trains. Going yeah, there were still cycling trains. And then there was at like least nine thirty. There was at least one breakdown where they made an announcement about the 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 the, the motorbikes being fussy or whatever. <laughs> and that, or being a bit dodgy, as Ron would say, or Harry, or whoever says that in the in the Forbidden Journey, right? Um, but yeah, so I, I guess we'll, you know, as far as our day went, might as well start at the beginning. Once we got into the park, in you know our our queue 
I guess if, like if you count if you count the queue starting at the beginning of the of the park. So what kind of happened is um, they formed a line through the park. So what first happened is everyone was walking up to Hogsmeade. That's where kind of the gate was at, and then the line made its way back through the Lost Continent and then by the beach or you know the Greenham restaurant of Dr. Seuss Landing, and then all the way to the front of the park and under Hulk, and then down oh it's literally the entrance of the park and then they closed the gates because you no know, the line was full it was still several hours before opening technically and then they moved us they waved us all the way through the overflow queue for the Poseidon Poseidon's Fury yeah and then we went backstage behind Poseidon's Fury and then like kind of in the back lot area and then they had several switchbacks set up and they had they had nice like water stations and stuff it was pretty the cool the queue like we kind of moved in sections like there were it, there was definitely periods of time where the queue was moving rapidly, and then periods of time where we were kind of in a holding pattern, I guess. Like obviously, we we spent a good amount of time out in front of the park waiting for the gates to open. They opened the gates, you know, at dawn basically, which yeah, was I really cool. Four six a.m. Yeah. Um, and then we spent a good amount of time. We spent all, we spent a good two hours probably standing. Um, and right in front of the marquee for the Lost Continent, in the in the threshold for Lost Continent from Seuss Landing, and then that at, from that point on we were threaded through the overflow of uh, Poseidon and through the through the uh, back backlot area. It was all set up. Even the backlot was set up with like kiosks selling food and water and stuff. I mean, all throughout the park, they they were staffed. Really well. Yeah, they had two stages with DJs. I mean, the fact that at 6 in the morning there was hundreds and hundreds of cast members ready to assist us. Our third section that we were stopped in, which was like kind of the halfway point, was in the courtyard for the seven, the, the Voyages of Sinbad show. Um, and that was, with, there was a DJ booth. Um, everyone could stop and like you could jump out of line and grab water or use the bathroom and it was all monitored, and everyone, like, there was lots of staff on hand um, making sure that no one was taking advantage of the situation or trying to, uh, you know, cut anyone that had been in line or or whatever. It was it was pretty much the last um, threshold before we actually entered the physical queue of the ride. They had pretty much everyone staged outside of the area, uh, outside of Hogsmeade between 8 and 9. And that's because there was a op- media opening around 8.30 with, like, you know, a little show and all the news stations were there. So the queue itself wasn't actually going into Hog- Hogsmeade till past 9, which is when everyone walked into Hogsmeade and into the um, queue for Hagrid. And then things started getting interesting because we already saw on the news that it was going to be rain coming in or, like, on the, on the Internet around 10 o'clock. Which gave us one hour. Now we kind of thought we were close enough to the front of the line that we could get in and out of that ride in an hour. We might have been if if the ride hadn't had so many. I don't want to say breakdowns. The ride never really broke down. It had one major breakdown. It just had thirty some, minutes. Some hiccups. Yeah. It really. It's just a matter of of, of you know sensors and uh, dispatching and things. It's it's just you know as far as okay, this is a brand new. This is a prototype ride. It's a brand new Intamin coaster. Opening day, two or three days of operation for media and cast members. No soft opening, nothing. All things considered, it went really well. I think Universal 
knew exactly how to handle the masses. Like I'm sure, were, yeah. I mean, this is part of number three They were them. completely. They knew what they were totally. doing. Totally. I felt like they handled it like pros. They had just all hands on deck. The fact that we could just, like, buy Dippin' Dots and, and snacks and stuff in this line, and, like, had they had bathroom setups and stuff. Once we got to the official marquee of the ride, we were threaded through the lockers. Our locker experience was fine. So, about the lockers real quick, they had the lockers that were there for Dueling Dragons, which are located inside the little Hawksmeet station building inside Hawksmeet, you know, next to where the train photo op is. But then they added along the wall um, that kind of goes where the Owlery is. That's where they added new locker centers. So there's plenty of lockers. You're kind and of that was where we, we put our stuff in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I had concerns about it being like Armageddon, getting your locker, like being in the queue and also getting a locker at the same time and like losing your place and people trampling each other to get back in line. And they were trying to stow their stuff as quickly as possible. It actually wasn't terrible. That's because the entire line was actually threaded there through there. There was so yeah. much staff, like, handling traffic flow. Everyone was, mo- basically, everyone was under strict supervision from the park. I mean, no one no one was behaving in a way that they shouldn't, because pretty much somebody from the park was watching every person, which was great. Yeah, I can only the amount of staff the that was on hand for that. The sheer volume of staff members at this event was... It's some, hor- it's some Halloween Horror Nights level It thing. was incredible. It's sad everywhere. Yeah. And we, I was so so impressed with that. Walking into the ride, and it, the ride has great curve appeal. As soon as you enter through the marquee, I mean, the ride is right there. The motorcycles are whizzing by. Uh, under normal operating circumstances, there's always two trains on the, on the track, like, within view. It's just constantly moving around. There's onboard audio, offboard audio. I mean, the ride has a really distinct presence. It looks great. The outdoor queue is wonderful. I think I think the, the queue overall, the outdoor queue I think maybe my favorite part and that's because it is very naturalistic. There's a lot of full grown trees. You kinda see the roller coaster in the distance and the buildings and you know, the new station slash show building that looks like this classic stable. Um you have several wonderful, amazing views that you seem carved out perfectly of um Hogwarts, so you kind of is like passed by several little spots in the queue where you kind of get to There's buy a Hogwarts great, in a distance, yeah, and it was like points. real nice. They did a great job with that. The fact the fact that this this queue has is way older than the ride. This queue was built obviously for for dueling dragons uh, in the '90s. So the foliage and stuff, these trees and things that have been growing for 20 years. I mean, it really adds an element of. Um, substance to this queue it's not just a bunch of saplings and fresh mulch like it really feels it has, it has like a real naturalistic it's much like find a hippogriff where that queue too feels like it's been there for way longer which it has yeah. um and but then there were there were some definite some some new touches there were very harry potter that they added to the queue and very hagrid's Lots magical creatures for all um, of you potter heads out there there's probably i'm sure there's ref, there's there's things that are there to discover and be noticed that we, as non, as I guess I should, as casual Potterheads, we didn't pick up on. Um, but people. It was who, also, I mean, we were just tired. Also, we were tired. Yeah. You know, it was early and we'd already been in line for four hours. But there are, there's, there's definitely things to appreciate and to find. There were a few things even in the, in the queue that we saw and we're like, oh, that's from that, this movie. And oh, like, I remember this reference to this thing. And the nice thing about this queue is that um, it's super close to Fly the Hippogriff. Though Fly the Hippogriff is hard to see through the trees, but it kind of merged the queues to the point where 
both cues have a Hogwarts view, and then they both kind of they both see one side of Hagrid's, Hagrid's hut. hut. So, like, if you're in the you know in the flight of the Hippogriff queue, you see the, the front of Hagrid's hut, the original. And then when you're in the queue for um, magical motorbike creature, or whatever adventure, <laughs> you are going to be seeing the backside of it. It's really nicely integrated. You're kind of like in ha- Hagrid's back garden. And he's got his, his... It really does feel like on Hogwarts grounds and yeah. like going to the stables. And I, I was happy it didn't feel dislocated or disjointed, which I was kind of afraid it would. Once we entered the indoor queue, things were definitely interesting. I I never rode Dueling Dragons as Dragon Challenge. I, I came to Islands of Adventure in 1999 and then again in 2006. And I didn't return until six months ago. So the entire arc of... The Harry Potter retheme of doing dragons is, some, is something I completely missed. So I don't, I don't really have any frame of reference as far as how things appeared in the Dragon Challenge era. But what I could recall was, was as we walked through the indoor portion of the Hagrid coaster queue, I could recall um, where the Dueling Dragons theme elements were located. And I'll, I'll, I'll see. I'll be the first to say that the queue inside, by and large, looks really good. But it's probably our least favorite of the three major, you know, Harry Potter ride queues. Yeah, it's like right before you go inside, you kind of pass through the outdoor part of the stables and you have like the cool nymph and you see like in the distance, you see the motorcycles rush by and go through the, like, the ruins and stuff. And that's all really great. But once you actually get inside, the theming just isn't as detailed or as interactive rather as it has been on other on, like other Potter attractions. So... I mean, the queue, if it moves at a, you know, at a decent pace, which the ride is supposed to have, the queue is, is fine. But there, you know, given the amount of time it spent inside a building, there was, there was just not enough to look at at certain points. Now, the beginning of the, of the queue is kind of cool. There's a lot of like little you know, hidden references to Dueling Dragon, and there's a lot of references to all the Harry Potter books and movies. It definitely and starts out strong. It starts out strong. You have an and amazing it, pre-show. Yes. The pre-show. Yeah, you, you get the, the first room you walk into, which... For, for the Dueling Dragons fans, it was the, like the cathedral with the altar, which I I must admit that without the altar in the middle, you, you kind of circle around nothing in this little circular room. It's not a bad-looking room, and for, for people who weren't familiar with Dueling Dragons, they won't think anything of it, but I kind of felt like it was missing something. Felt a little empty. There's, there's some dialogue, some some audio that it, you know has some you know interesting things to listen to, but it repeats itself. If you stand there for too long. If you stand there for longer than you should, which I feel like we stood for pretty much the entire indoor queue. We spent more time in there than than it was designed for. Yeah, there's three little spiels from Hagrid's in that first room. And then, you know, those, those three spiels are all separated by several minutes. Now, this is a, it's a small room. Like, it's definitely not meant to be in here for any longer than a few moments. But if you catch the ride on a breakdown but it's and a you're breakdown in that room, it's not there. a good place to be if the ride breaks down or has a weather delay. From there, we went to the pre-show. The pre-show was excellent. Um, lots of, of, of... There's physical effects, which are great. Lots of, like, positive callbacks to, like, the pre-shows for the the other major attractions. It definitely feels like a continuation of of um, the best qualities of pre-shows for, like, um, Gringotts and, and Forbidden Journey. I think it's a fair pre-show, and that's because... The physical effects incorporated are much like Forbidden Journey. That's like a 4D element to it. Yeah, as 4D elements, there's a lot going on. You kind of get an idea of what is going on. My only issue is the placement of the pre-show. The pre-show is like right as you enter the building, but there's so much queue after the pre-show. 
that by the time we kind of got to the end of sh- uh, the, to the actual ride platform, I like completely forgot we even the pre-show. The pre-show. Yeah. There was like three hours of pre-show our, yeah. and riding. In our instance, I mean, we 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 caught the pre-show at probably around. Probably around a little bit before ten. I'd say yeah, probably so. We probably had at least two hours of waiting. Now, some of that was weather related. I, I imagine that under norm, like under ideal operating circumstances, the the distant like the gap of time between the pre-show and the ride itself will not be so long. But that's that's really wasn't the reality for anyone today, and probably won't be the reality for anyone for a while. Especially because it's summer and there's going to be storms every couple hours. Following the uh, pre-show, there's a kind of a square-shaped room with some switchbacks, which we didn't spend a whole lot of time in. And then there's the it's, long. It's the stable-themed room, which kind of yeah. ties in with the pre-show, which is kind of great. Like the, those two rooms go together. We luckily walked through pretty quick. But then we then got we have stuck. The, the long hall, which was originally for doing dragons. I remember the nights of the like the Knights of the Old Republic or, or whatever. Round and table? Round table, whatever. <laughs> well, there's not really a round it was a long bench. I wanna I always wanna I wanna say Knights of the Round Table, but the table was definitely a long bench like table. Um Knights of the Benches. The, the of course the hallmark of that whole sequence was was the the knights and the and the horses frozen into the ceiling um per the ice dragon attack that had ostensibly occurred and now the queue had turned into um kind of a, a very naturalistic overgrown rune kind of room like it was an old cathedral looking room there's there's plants growing through the skylights in the ceiling and there's plants go through the windows simulated skylights and simulated windows and the uh, there's like a bunch of dragon eggs everywhere it's a really nice easter egg which i'm not going to give you away but if you love yeah. the goblet of fire you're going to find it and that's yeah. just cute look at goblet of fire fans have a lot to that appreciate room. It has, it has references to Dueling Dragons slash Dragon Challenge, and it has other references to Goblet of Fire in that room. And that is something that if you look out for it, you're going to get a kick out of that. But that's going to be in that large room where all the so eggs are hidden. This room is when, for us, our wait really started to get tedious. There was like a... This was the start of It was a half-hour weather yeah. delay. The room, when it was doing dragons and there was the table in there, I mean, you just went past the table. Obviously, there's no table... In it now, it's Instead just a switch giant back. switchback. Yeah. So you go all the way to the far end of the room, and then come all, all the way, way back, back and then all the way back again. Um, but there was a lot of staff in this room that was helpful. I saw families and stuff were being escorted by staff members to go on bathroom breaks. Um, there was a kiosk set up selling bottled water next, and there was water fountains. For those of you who didn't want to buy a five dollar bottle of Gilly water, you could also use the water fountain. Um, we, I mean, I, again, it's like, I, I get the impression that you're just not supposed to be in there for as long as we were. And um, especially in the room after that is really showed. Like, everything here seems to be set up like a quick set of switchbacks. But we, we were just in there for way too long. Because after this room, which is, the room is fine. Like, it's definitely, there's some things to look at, Easter eggs. But then we get to the, the old the part. catacombs. Of, we get to the caverns, the taverns, whatever they're called. The, 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 uh, the, the hallways. Which in doing dragons times, I remember the floor to ceiling, bone and skull, walls, uh, you know, bodily shrapnel, like like a dungeon. Basically, the the, the with the um, the dining table knights room being the aftermath of the ice dragon attack. This was the fire dragons uh, damage damages for 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 the Harry Potter ride. It's definitely the the hallways were tedious and 
ongoing. I mean, it, they just lasted forever. There's so many of these hallways, and they all look the exact same. There's no theming inside except for little lanterns, and it, it clearly is supposed to be like a switch between like the old tavern or the old um It's meant to ruins. convey distance and, and transitioning. Yeah, transitioning all you the way down through to the stables. You're going, you, you can feel that you're dropping in elevation. You eventually travel beneath. Like, you, you do a few zigzags after the egg room, and then you kind of wrap around underneath yourself. People people familiar with the queue, you know, will know what we're talking about. But you do, you go basically beneath yourself, and after just what seems like an endless series of hallway directional changes, you wind up in a room that we, it seemed almost kitchen-like. It, it, seemed, no, it was more of like, um, you know, oh God, what do you call that? Kind of like a tool room. I mean, it was... Like a workshop? Yeah, or? like a workshop. It was covered in little, like, Easter eggs. Again, this is... A, now, these rooms are the best rooms in the entire queue, obviously. Just too bad that most of the queue is, is hallways. Um, but this room, for example, um, there's a lot of small little details. There's a Hagrid talking about several of these magical creatures that we're going to go and explore later on. This room was also staffed, and there was um, an exit, like, I guess an emergency exit... Um, that also had like a height checker area. There was um, there was some sort of operational uh, quirk related related to this room and like how it was connected to the rest of the ride. I think there's like a shortcut to to the station, and you know again staff members available for whatever whether they're just there for monitoring it's, or um, for it's, assistance. It's, it's where, if I'm not mistaken, it's where the single rider line passes through, but also where the child swap passes through because yeah. it's right before you get to the um, to the, the final room. Yes, after after this kitchen, you go through some more hallways. Uh, in the middle of one of the hallways is a unapologetic LCD television mounted to the wall. With, Not at all policy. Uh, with um, a, a uh, an animated, like a just a quick like ten second animated explanation of how passengers are expected to enter. Um, these unique ride vehicles. The vehicles are are really quite cool. It's and for I'm sure everyone has seen by now, but it's a it's a motorcycle vehicle on the right and a, a sidecar on the left. Um, the motorcycle seat is is not too terribly unlike a normal seat. It's mostly it's it's more elevated, so it has more leg room because the um, the the sidecar is much lower to the ground, and so your legs are kind of like hurled up, and there's no leg room with the restraints. People system. of Larger dimensions, whether it be vertical or horizontal, will have a harder time sitting in the sidecar. Um, no, the, I couldn't even feel my, fi- the, fit my feet. The, bike, the, the motorcycle is very accommodating. Um, we're not aware of anyone having been turned away from the motorcycle, but in the test seats, which we get to shortly after the, the television spiel of how to enter the vehicles, you approach the test seats, and the cast members will cherry-pick people in your group who uh, who seem like they might slow down the operation um, without a, uh, a a quick dry run. Yeah, they, they really pick seat. and choose. Like, how many people are your party? They'll look at you, and they will then judge whether or not you go straight into the queue or if you go to the queue to do the test seat first. And yeah. I would say one out of two parties had to do the test yeah. seat because the seat six aren't that accommodating. Of, yeah. yeah. And, it's, and it's not a bad... I mean, it's kind of a good idea to get people used to what they're getting themselves into because it's easy to get flustered. The ride does have continuous loading. You're on a conveyor belt. Like, it's hard, even as someone who does this all the time, to not get flustered by 
the fact that everything is moving and but before we get to that being rushed <laughs> there is the final room in the queue which is probably the best room i would say the final room which is is in the center it's, it's the large switchback section that was surrounded by the two dueling dragons stations now it's a, an embarkment station and a disembarkment station for the, for the new coaster, and you can hear and, and catch glimpses of the trains uh, loading and unloading um, as, you, as you navigate these switchbacks. Um, and then above you, you have... There's, the entire ceiling <laughs> is pretty much an LED screen that very convincingly plays out all sorts of scenes that relate to your motorbike adventure. So it's like the multiplying of the motorcycles and then like them all taking off in a hurry... Um, Dragon Fire, Hagrid and Arthur Weasley dialogue. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how to multiply these motorcycles so we can all ride them. Sequences. There's a part with spiders that was really uncomfortable because it was done so well. Yeah, and there's like footsteps. Like you see a lot. There's a lot of motorcycle sounds, and then running above you. Like and it's, 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 it's a, a great room to be it's in. It's a very simple gag, like yeah. the way that it's done, because it's mostly what you're looking at is slats and a roof. And what you're seeing is the shadows, I guess, of the motorcycles and the people and, and, the and fire, fire and, the, and yeah. the large spiders. And but it's it's totally it's it's brilliant. It's super well done. This is this is kind of like your last the, the last threshold before the it's ride. Kind of your reward for having waited through all these the parts damn of the hallways. queue, the hallways. Uh, you just we can't we can't emphasize enough how horrible <laughs> the hallway portions of this queue were people were getting upset they were like, because it was hallway it was after hallway so after hallway with no theming it's so not unpleasant i mean especially with so much of the outdoor queue i mean the outdoor queue is incredible the pre-show was great i mean the egg room is pretty nice and then you know it, it really feels like it, it trends down from there <laughs> until you get to the, the final switch back room there is another unthemed lcd tv with the same explanation of how to enter the vehicle. It's one of the most jarring things about the queue. It feels like they maybe added it, like, a few weeks ago. It sounds ago. like a last-minute thing. Like, we don't have but any access for this. Because, you know, like, on Forbidden Journey and on Green Gods, there's all these paintings that talk and move and explain what's going on. And they are all, you know, done with actors. And this is just animated, like, yeah. straightforward Ikea-level Just animation. like a weird... Yeah, it, it, like, I made... I, to me, it, it looked a little bit like Fallout. Like, Fallout New Vegas and... The people we were with laughed, so I, I guess that reference resonated with them. But I, the the animation style, the presentation of it, the fact, that, the fact that the TVs were completely exposed and not in any way dressed up or... It was the least magic creature of them all. <laughs> it was just really weird. Like we were, I'm like, it, it is so obvious... That they were added a few weeks ago, maybe, and if they weren't, they added, feel like an afterthought. They really they, feel like if people, they've been there for longer than a few weeks, then shame on them because it should really not look like that. That is three hundred million dollar ride. This must have been like supposedly three hundred million dollars. So yeah. what we're hoping for is that if nothing else, the what gets played on the screens will eventually will hopefully be redone and, and will reflect the aesthetic of the ride because right now it feels so out of place. Yeah, and it's all this, you know, it the becomes, Harry Potter aesthetic with, like, modern LCD screens animation in the middle of it with no it, Harry Potter It becomes one of the most memorable things about the queue because it's so inappropriate. And you all sit in lines with nothing else for, like, a long time. So, yeah. But then you get to the right platform, which is moving. It's continuous uh, loading. So there's a moving sidewalk or belt. 
and it's, you're actually in the stables at that point. So you get into the stables and like, you know, it's, it's really nicely themed. I think it's, it's a really beautiful station. The ride boots are actually located right behind several arches. So like, it's really, you can see it, but like they can reach through. Like it's just overall a really, really nice There's aesthetic. There's a ton of staff. There's an army of staff just in the station. As you might imagine, you can load and unload a total of four trains. We saw four at trains at once on like the platform, like, just the loading yeah, this, platform. Yeah, just seeing on the loading side of things. They can like probably fit, like, I how many trains do they have for this they ride? They have seven, seven, I believe. They can fit every train that they have of this ride. In the station. In the station, between the embarkment and disembarkment platforms. Because trains fit aren't the very long. Train, yeah. The trains are a little small. Even with dispatches as fast as they would like, you're looking at a 14-passenger dispatch that's half of, of, like, a typical roller coaster. Like, half of what you would see. Less than half of, of like, an Incredible Hulk I was just happy to see, unlike Gringotts, where they can slow the operation if they want because they don't know there's not a continuous moving belt. I liked that everything was moving continuously. When it was running properly, kind of like for Ben Jr., just people were just going through and getting on. Um, so I like that. And it's, it's just kind of cool seeing all the trains, like seeing all the motorcycles kind of just run into the stables and everyone hops on one. The and sound effects are great. There's, there's, there's so much light and sound happening this whole time. The sound effects are especially good. When the trains roll in, there's a whole intro spiel from Hagrid about, you know, getting on, getting on your on your boat on your motorcycle and you know strapping in and getting ready or whatever. You you turn a corner, and so you're outside and, the stables. And so you're outside and you hit your first little launch. It's a super cute little time launch. It's, it's, it's even it's smaller perfect. than the first it's like, one. It's on even than Cheetah Hunt. Hunt. Yeah. And there's some dialogue. Really, I mean, it's it, you've got dialogue at the beginning. There's a lot to listen. There's a lot to hear with this ride more so than I mean not just w- what there is to see but to hear um, you take off there's a lot of um, nice directional like transitions and stuff towards the beginning yeah so it's kind of like so you leave the stables and Hagrid's like hey we're gonna meet you at the Forbidden Forest I mean spoiler alerts for everyone who's yeah. listening I'm sorry we're gonna I hope talk. you guys are prepared for I don't, I don't imagine you'd I listen mean, to Universal it I mean Universal gave all the spoilers already we're gonna give you a little we're gonna yeah. just kind of tell you a little bit about it but yeah, so it's, you know, it tells you to meet you at the Forbidden Forest, and you kind of swing by the queue over the water. Everyone the queue's waving at you because they're, they're about to wave People in the queue hours. have no idea how much, how much more they're going to have to wait. They have no idea with the horrible, tedious hallways <laughs> wait for them. So, like, it's finally your turn, and, like, so you kind of zoom by, and then you get to the hut that's kind of out in the forest, supposedly. Now, the downside of this first little section is there's a maintenance row right below you. It just didn't feel forested enough. It felt like the sidelines weren't that great. There's a big building in the distance, which is clearly a show building. That's part of your, um, part of your ride. So that was my least favorite part. But then it gets really good because then there's animatronics and it's a blessing and a curse that the beginning of the ride feels unabashed in its roller coasterness. If you are coming here to ride a roller coaster, I think you will be pleasantly surprised. It's a good launch. It's not like Gringotts, where if you came for a roller coaster, you're going to get an attraction that is incidentally a roller coaster, but not a roller coaster in in the traditional sense. It doesn't really feel like a coaster or attain momentum or anything of that nature. It's really just a means to an end, whereas Hagrid's is is wonderfully and unapologetically a roller coaster, and they don't try to distract. They don't. They don't concern themselves too much with trying to distract you from the fact that you're on roller coaster track. Like they do a lot to explain why you're in a flotilla of motorcycles, a group of seven motorcycles, kind of flying in a sense. But 
ultimately, you're on a roller coaster, and Universal is okay with that. It, it's, it's not unlike the execution for a ride like Hulk or even like Flying Dinosaur in Japan, where it's like, you're on a roller coaster. That's what you came here for. This is a theme park. Like, it, and I just, it's just nice. It's refreshing that they're not trying to bend over backwards to distract you from the fact that you're on a theme park ride. Instead, you're just on a really great, really well-themed theme park ride with a lot to see. Yeah, the first thing you really get to see is um, you get inside the hut, and there is the infamous blast and it's cute. Blast looks like. ended, scoot. That one. Blast ended. Yeah, blast and scoot. Scoot. Blast ended scoot. 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 S k e s k e w. Wait, is there an R? I thought it was scoot, like like. I'm not, or I'm shrew, not sure. Or is it shrewd? Like I don't know. Anymore. I thought it was shrewd. Anyways, shrew, there's like, this like, crazy creature all the Potter fans are judging it the, us the for. Dwight ended shrewd. Oh my god, that's the that's office. way too office. Very um, <laughs> in a wizarding world here. So it's white and it's true. Um, and there's also a Hagrid animatronic. Now the audio is kind of hard to hear on the train, and also hearing him speak in the actual scene. So like I thought, audio wise, is a bit of a mess. Plus the, the scroot or whatever is is kind of loud. He like sort of farts in your face and moves around. It smells like passion fruit, which is kind of neat. And then you take off in a hurry again, and that's when, like, that's when the best part of the ride happens coaster-wise. Like, you just yeah. go up to the building, have a sharp after, dive turn, yeah, after and there's the, some after zigzagging. The, the Hagrid animatronic, I mean, that's, I think that's one of the longest launches and most impressive is, yeah, that, and that, that glory, you kind of sail through the, the shattered window of, of this ca- kind of cathedral-like um, structure. Um, and then the, there's a bit of the Forbidden Forest kind of aesthetic um, here, here, kind of right in the middle of the ride. Oh, before you get there, you have uh, the pretty signature part of the ride is that you zigzag with this nice half helix over the lake. There's a little lake oh, in the yeah. forest, yes. and like, you get to see a train. Like a train kind of moves in all these yeah. directions. It's really great for like both a sidecar and a motorcycle rider. Yeah. And then you launch into a smaller launch, and then there's like an actual like tree covered area, yeah. which is still a little bit rare. There's a lot of trees to plant there, but it feels open. The ride. It's gonna look the the part in like ten years. The, will look amazing. the like this designated sequence for your like riding through the forest per se i mean it's going to get better it's great now it's going to be better right now it's like a ride through a nursery full of saplings and and that's fine like it's not really realistic to expect anything more than that right now um but this is this like this this middle part of the ride here that's mostly this is really like kind of the meat of the ride like this is again where the ride you know that you you've had your first couple of scenes already um, I guess if you count the initial dispatch and then, of course, the hut scene with, with the scroot or whatever. Um, and this this is... The ride really lets itself loose and, and is just a roller coaster for a bit and is just so nice. It has good transitions. Like, it has good pacing. Great transitions. another launch in the middle of it. And then... This is, and, then we, and then things go off the rails. Um, and then I mean... That, and, then, and this is also the part where I'm starting to kind of judge the ride. So, like... Another spoiler, but everyone already knows, there's Fluffy's on the ride, you know, the oh, yeah, three-headed dog. Fluffy. So you blow past Fluffy at such an incredible speed. It just says, like, oh, yeah, he just barks, but he doesn't do anything, whatever. And then you just turn a corner. Yeah, and Hagrid's like, like, don't mind Fluffy. And we're like, well, we would like to mind Fluffy because, because Fluffy Fluffy's amazing. Like a, Fluffy's like a five-second thing. And there's like, it doesn't stop with Fluffy. It doesn't do anything. You just kind of like blow past him. And then you blow past the um, the little blue creatures. I forgot the, the, the like, What are the... Um, it's just July day. Cornish... Yeah. Cornish Cornish pixies. Is Thank that what you. they are? Yes. And then you know, and they're lifting up the the car. The flying car. And yeah, I didn't even catch the Cornish pixies on our ride because 
It just goes so fast. That sequence after Fluffy, I mean, after the Fluffy part, the ride really becomes a it just lot takes to off. take in. There's a lot of things happening without there being any, like... So the first scene, the first couple of scenes where things are, like, beautiful and, like, you know, important... Things feel a little bit sequential. You move really slow. But when it comes to Fluffy or the flying car and the Cornish Pixies and the fog and the backwards lines, I mean, the, it's the just ride, nonstop. It I gotta stop. say, the ride really does up the ante, because... It starts out, and you're just kind of enjoying to being... You're just happy to be on this thing, because you w- just waited seven hours or whatever. Um, after the fluffy part, and then you you take off into the pit of fog that's under... Spider pig, I think? Un- it's underneath where the flying car has crashed, and the pixies are doing pixie stuff. And the, the vertical, or near vertical, steep spike... That you then approach after coming through the smoke. I was shocked. Like, I, I knew that that was somewhere in the ride. I didn't know it was there. It was so well done. We were in the back of the train, the very last row, so we didn't really experience the spike in its full effect. Although it was terrifying to watch the end of the train, the front car, come unbelievably sky. close to the end of the spike. And probably the greatest moment of the ride for me was the part where Hagrid very nonchalantly informs you that you've lost power. It's like, ah, you lost power. You've lost power. And so the motorcycles, (laughs) everything, the motorcycles, all the sounds stop and your motorcycle just goes in reverse. Um, The track has already switched in what feels like a millisecond of, uh, of time that has transpired. And the time that you've passed by Fluffy and taken the left turn and driven through the pit of fog and up the spike, the track has already... Switched and Hagrid has cast a spell, and you go in reverse in a totally different place. And, and the backwards launch—I mean, the launches are good in this thing. I'm not, I'm, the launches not, are great. Like this is a family-friendly attraction, but this ride packs a punch. This ride slaps. Like I, the what, launches are fast. Once I like, started going backwards, yeah. like I really was not prepared. Like, <laughs> and there's a backwards helix, and then you go into the big show into building, the big show building, which is themed to the. Forbidden Forest again. Yeah. But I guess this time it's dark inside and you have the, um, what are these these horsemen called? The, the one that has the arrow. Oh, the, um, um, the centaurs? Yes, yeah, centaurs. So there's a centaur looking at you and he's like, you know, about to shoot an arrow. And then you kind of just wind your way backwards and then you get stuck in the devil's snare. The devil's snare. Part, which, which, again, is another major highlight. There's so many great moments about this. And this, this is why I was heavy set in the back, back of the train, because you see all the devil snares moving down towards the train, and then you have to drop Because track. you're stopped in there for so long, I mean, the devil snare scene is really well done. Some of the scenes don't look quite as polished, I think, as they could, I guess, for a couple of reasons. One, they're outside, and they have to be a little bit... There's no lighting you can add. It's a little beefier, yeah. you know. The, the animatronics are, are not quite as finessed as, as something that you can safely keep in a building... Um, I, I imagine that that having animatronics that are outside in the Florida elements, you know, there's there's measures that have to be taken that affect um, their their operation. Um, but for the Devil's Snare, I mean, you're in there, and the scene is so impressive because you're you're meant to be sitting in there for a minute and really reflecting on what's happened. Hag- Hagrid is is you know coaching you through. <laughs> um, the fact he's that telling you the spells you got to use. He's like, yeah, like, we're we're given you're given command. Basically, we're you know we're basically screwed, and we're we're given instructions on how to save ourselves because we are responsible for our own salvation. In this instance, we have to relax and we have to free ourselves. And and so at this point, the drop track kicks in. I had no idea that this was how the drop track was integrated, but I was so impressed. It brought me right back to that scene from the first movie. 
uh, I, I was like, God, like that's that's brilliant. That is. And then after that, it's like you know, usually you kind of drop text, kind of drop, and that's like when you take off again. But they did a really great job of creating two scenes in the same drop track. So the top scene is the devil snare, you know, like you're, you're stuck. And, and then you drop through. below. You drop below, and then there's a bunch of less than it's cute, whatever it's called. Like, like the little egg, like are they egg cases? or No, they're actually like the, the scoots that are kind of like in the walls. And okay. then they like blast at you. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. That's and then right, you yeah. launch out again. Well, you launch a little bit through like another yeah. like tunnel or there's two. There's two drop tracks next to each other, so there's kind of like little S-curves where the, the tracks switch to meet up. The, the sheer amount of track switching that happens on this ride is, is unbelievable. It's probably part of why it has downtime it's, on them. Uh, for lack of a better word, like, this ride is magical. Just from a technological standpoint, just just understanding what must go right for a single dispatch to function properly on this ride is, is mind-blowing. Um, and I, I really didn't appreciate it until we rode. Uh, because I didn't do a whole lot of research on You know, I just wanted to be surprised, and then here we are riding it, and I'm like, wow. Like, the things that... This was a, a gutsy, ambitious attraction, and it just it just keeps going. It's really... Well, yeah, because then you're not... You, you know, you're still is, not done. You know, we're like, how many minutes in to talk about this? We're still yeah, not done with the still, ride. The ride is over three minutes long. And and so then there's a little bit of a, of a you know, um, a bit of an S-turn, kind of through caves, you know, of the forbidden yeah, forest, you, and then... You take off. Then there's a sort of dragon scene. Your final So this launch. is where I was kind of confused. It's like talking about dragon fire, because you're, like, taking off in a hurry. There's a bunch of fog and fire effects. Well, fog effects, a little bit of fire. Isn't that the thing that they, like... Outfitted Tested? the motorcycles with. Like, I don't know what it is. Okay, it's like fire something. It, like, yeah, it was. It, a, it was called the word dragon was in it's it. Like, like, it's like it's like the Wizarding World's answer to nitrous oxide. There you go. Is the and impression then, that I'm getting? There's not a really really big launch into a pretty intense couple elements. It's like a a big like kind of an overbank that, where you where you wrap around the flying car sequence with the Cornish pixies. Um, as you're approaching the Cornish pixie scene the first time before like before you dive into the smoke area and into the spike, the train that has launched out of the drop track sequence is coming at you. And I, that interaction is so great. And it, I didn't really, it, it almost fools you into thinking like, as you dive into the, the smoke filled area, you almost feel like that the track is connected and that it's just one you know, one continuous bit, but there's actually so much ride in between those two sequences, and it's disguised to look like it's just... The forest. It's just you dive under the, the smoky area and then come around over by the car, and that's it. But there's actually, like, one-third of the ride happening uh, right under your nose. After the after you take off and you do the big overbank turn, you st- you've got a, a couple of... You've got a nice drop there. The drop is actually really good. There's a big drop to a sharp turn. This and is like the highest... Major this is, time aside all. from the spike, this is really... Where this is the highest point where, like, every single vehicle passes yeah. through. There's two two high dive turns, pretty much, and this is one of... This is the last one. It's, and, it, and it hugs the spike, um, which both of these high points of the ride are as far away from the midway as possible, and I'm sure that's deliberate. You can't, you can't even, you can't even see. You would never, unless you really yeah. pay attention, you can kind of see it. But like, it's really the hard fact to that see. the spike was hidden, so perfectly hidden from view until you're like right in front of it. I was so impressed by that. And then you, and then when you do the final launch and you fly around it, you can really appreciate the size of it and the fact that you weren't aware of it <laughs> until you know just a few minutes ago. Then you come around and you and you. You land back in the. Uh, you land at the at the ruins of the stables, and there's a tra- you know right where the midway through the ride where the train passes over 
And then you think your lesson's over, but there's a beautiful, which I'm sure everyone's seen because Universal also released this already. Uh, it's a beautiful unicorn, unicorn and, and her she, baby. And she's a mum or whatever. A mum. A mum. And, and she's a mum. And yeah, so like, Harry gives you like a wonderful little goodbye. Tell about all the creatures you saw, including yeah. this unicorn you didn't expect to see. And he was basically, doesn't he tell you like to not tell anyone that all this yeah, happened? Yeah, he tells you not tell anyone. Because none of this was supposed to happen. You were supposed to go to the hut and like talk about the screw or something. Yeah, and then, you know, because today's lesson plan was just to learn about magic creatures. Yeah. But instead, today's lesson plan. You guys went on a way yeah. wild adventure. Honestly, like, I need, I need a. I need to re- be regrounded in on like what the whole concept of the attraction is because well I'm, that's actually one of the issues of the attraction. I don't know if I'm at school. I don't know if I'm in uh, storytelling is a little bit spotty here and there. Like unless you kind of know what you're getting yourself into, it's kind of hard to follow along what the actual story is. The speakers aren't perfect. There's like little spiels here and there, but it feels especially when there's a lot of queuing going on in the in those in those hallways. You may not necessarily go know exactly what's going on. Um, so you have to pay really close attention to what's being said. Maybe and we're just being not Connor people enough, but I, because well, I got the compl- I heard of some several people actually that spoke to that also written it today, and they kind of maybe people who are more Connor so. people than us are even more confused by what's going on. I mean, a lot of it's original, which is again like if you know the movies, you know what's going on. Yeah. Like it's been journey. But. Yeah, kudos to Universal for you know if you're not going to build a, an original IP attraction, which that's what everyone seems to be crowing about these days, is that nothing is an original IP anymore. Well, the next best thing is to take an existing IP and and instead of having a ride themed to a particular movie, you have something custom, something unique that takes place in that environment, takes place in the universe that is that is original. And that's pretty much what we have here. I mean, we I mean, Hagrid already drove the motorcycle. He, we already know that He's, you know, the magical creature whisperer or whatever per the movies. But this this event, these events, these sequences are not tethered specifically to a film quite in the same way that, like, Gringotts is, is you know, literally takes place, place in, in a movie. Um, so it, it it's, it's really offers something special in that way that none of the other... Harry Potter attractions offer, which is something that you and it is it is something that I also enjoy about that attraction is that even though everything is original, there's original characters, original cue. A lot of it's like you know less of the imagination, and it's it's something new to explore. It's not like oh, it's just like the movies. Like you have to go to Universal to get any of this. Yeah. Um, and there's like all these little touches on the first movies that you kind of you know get back, and it's a really enjoyable ride that you got going on this actual adventure that you haven't seen before because it's not possible. And then you get all these little flashbacks, all these right, like all these attractions. Oh, sorry, all these, all these movie Films, scenes yeah. and like you know the books that you haven't actually experienced before because there's a lot of going on in that ride that is from the books and the movies, but it's not on the other rides. Which I'm like, it, it, it just now came to my head that all these little scenes are from you know from these movies, but they haven't been shown on, on other scenes. Well, yeah, stuff from, a lot yet. of stuff from the cha- callbacks to the Chamber of Secrets on this ride, the yep. Fluffy and um, oh, Fluffy is that Chamber of Secrets? Is any or is it? Or no, 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 no Sorcerer's Stone. Sorry. Yeah, there's a lot of first. Yeah, a lot of the first uh, Philosopher's Stone stuff. Yes, or Sorcerer's what Stone, whatever they call it. Yeah. There's no Basilisk in this ride. Oh, would that be great? So, God, there's a Basilisk ride. I need, I need a, I need a water raft ride. Through the Chamber of Secrets. A basilisk, with a basilisk water slide. And the water is dyed black or red or whatever color it's supposed I to be. You a basilisk. Yeah. You got me. So, yeah, there's no basilisk. But, like, <laughs> the, yeah, this, the original, the first film where we meet some of these creatures, it's, it's nice to see them fleshed out. Um, 
in, in, in such a meaningful way. Um, I would say that this is such a, it's, it's such a slam dunk for Universal because now it's like, it, it was one thing to just recreate things that people have seen in movies, but with, with some of these sequences and creatures that are unique to this ride, I mean, now every Potter person on Earth is, is, is going to be desperate to see this because there's, there's a new part of the story here. There's, there's fully realized ideas that we had only heard of in the book, in the books, or or, or, completely or it's just completely original. Um, so now it's it's like you don't necess- you don't have all of the story now unless you come and ride this ride. Basically, that's which is why there was a ten hour line. So, so <laughs> people are not over Potter just yet. So yeah, so absolutely. Um, so good on them. And then for those who are still kind of salty about Julian Dragons or Dragon Challenge. We understand, um, but let's just, just just for fun, let's compare the two and let's see like whether or not it was worth your placement. Obviously, it is. I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna. It's hard to comment one way or the other on whether like if Dueling Dragons was better or worse or whatever. It, it comes down to tastes, and if you like inverted coasters, if you love a good dueling coaster, I mean, Dueling Dragons was so so cool, but. It's hard to argue that this isn't the better fit for the area because it's a custom ride for Harry Potter. It's not an existing attraction that's being shoehorned in, into a into an aesthetic. Um, there's no denying that this feels like the ride that was always meant to be part of, of the Wizarding World, whereas Doing Dragons was just kind of there out of sheer Doing convenience. Dragons made sense when the area opened because of the reason... Because Goblet of Fire was still kind of recent, and, you know, but, you know, it just, the sidelines, this, just, this just seemed to fit so perfectly. It's like, it almost felt like this is a missing piece all along. It never, and yeah. It just perfectly complements all the Wizarding World, all the areas, the train, everything is complemented so if well. If we weren't such nerds, <laughs> like, you would never know that something else had been there. Not it really. It feels good. so uh, quintessential to... The, the Hogsmeade experience now. Um, even after just riding it once, we're like, wow, okay, so, like, this is... This is part of the experience that, like, it really feels like it earns its keep um, because it, it it's so substantial. And now that we've ridden it, it's, it, like, I have a hard time imagining it not being there already, um, even though it's, still, you know, so new because it just feels so... Uh, so right and so well done and so so excellent. Now, I do think if for for people who are fans of Forbidden Journey and Gringotts and it's it that that's really where the comparison game will break down because it's Potter versus Potter. Not a, not a lot of people are really trying to compare Doing Dragons to to Hagrid, but there will be plenty of comparisons drawn as as far as like the three major thrill rides between the Wizarding World areas and, like, which which one is the best, which one is... Uh, when it comes to queue, Forbidden Journey still has the best queue. Best queue. There's no denying that every inch of Forbidden Journey's queue is just so quintessential to the Harry Potter f- dream. Um, even though the queue for Hagrid's original, there's just a lot of dead space. There's just not that much going on. There, no, the beginning and the end, definitely, but there's a lot of in the middle that just... It's just to put people in it, and and then I love the queue for Gringotts because like the the bank hall, like it's just so elegant, like it's 
it, it feels a lot different than like the Hogsmeade aesthetic. And now that we've got two major Hogsmeade rides and just the one Gringotts ride, I feel like the whole feeling of Gringotts and 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 Diagon Alley by extension has appreciated in value. But at the same time, I would never at any point choose standing in a full queue of Gringotts or a full queue of um, Hagrid. Because Hagrid's outside queue, the switchbacks and stuff, gorgeous. Really nice. The switchbacks for Gringotts, I mean, Gringotts does not have much going on the line at all. Like, no, no the bank hall is, is about the best thing about that queue. Yeah. I feel like they really got on, on, the, got on, a, on a, you know, decline when it came to queues. I still think I would choose Hagrid as the second favorite queue of the three. Okay. Ride experience itself... That's a tough one. Really because, tough. Because, like, they're all such different rides. Yeah. Um, I think they, whatever, however, because people will, will, will find ways to, to decide which of the three is their favorite. But the point, the fact that it's so hard, I think, is just, They're again, all really, really, really plays to how successful this third chapter. Now, I am impressed that they were able to make an outdoor ride that felt so integrated. cohesive and integrated. Because usually you just kind of resort to building rides or show buildings yeah. to make it feel the way you want it to feel. There is but they made it work outside. At no point on the first two major Harry Potter rides or, or Hogwarts Express, they never, ever want you to see the track. They don't want you to have any idea how the ride mechanism works. Everything happening in these original, the earlier Harry Potter rides, it's like... Everything is is really designed to draw your attention away from the fact that you're on a theme park ride. Whereas this, I mean, they just they just took. I mean, it's a coaster, and they embraced it. They're not trying to hide anything about the the the, the mechanical nature of this ride, and that it's a roller coaster. And I think once they they allowed themselves to do that, and just kind of were like, well, we're we're building an outdoor Harry Potter ride, and it's a roller coaster, and we're in broad daylight. There's not. There's only so much that we can do to to convince people that what you're the roller coaster that you're riding on isn't a roller coaster. It's actually something else. Um, but they were all the better for it. I think by by just focusing their attention on the practic the effects and, and 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 instead of just trying to distract people from the fact that what you were on was a ride, they're just showing off all these amazing uh, of things and all these these little story elements that they've wanted to share um, probably for as long as this area has been in, conceived they've wanted to probably do something of this nature where where you just all, all of the like the the, the uh, universal classic you know purists people who have been huge fans of rides like jaws and King, confrontation and all of the the audio animatronic obsessed people this is kind of like uh, a, a great return to form for them, uh, following uh, an endless string of, of, of screen-based rides. I mean, there's no, with the exception of the pre-show, there's no screens. Anywhere. Anywhere. Not even inside the building, which is interesting, yeah. The entire attraction just has the one pre-show, but there's no screens of any kind on the ride. It's really just a, a, a really solid uh, elbow grease kind of, of ride with with amazing animatronics and mechanical wonders <laughs> disguised as natural wonders uh, overall do you have a ranking in your head do you know do you have a ranking personally for uh, the three i god i mean i'm I, honestly i'm not the biggest fan of forbidden journey i know you're like the only person no kidding i love <laughs> i'm a roller coaster guy i love dark rides too but I have such a hard time. I'm trying to like think of it on the spot. Like, what do I like better? But it I was never. It wasn't hard for me to choose 
Gringotts over Forbidden Journey. Because Forbidden Journey makes me a little nauseous. I feel like you just get shaken up like a soda can just for the sake of it. I like Gringotts, but it was so refreshing to not rely on screens for once because that's like all screens, right? That's like pretty much all screens. If you made me choose one right now, I'm going to choose Hagrid because... I would do Forbidden Journey, Hagrid, and then Gringotts. Hagrid, yeah, it just yeah. feels so fresh. I'm like, maybe after a few years... I'll feel differently, but right now I'm just I'm on the Hagrid well. Hagrid's train, also man. gonna like have the trees grow in, and it's we're gonna be able to ride at night some point, which I think it's gonna be a better night ride. Hagrid, I think is gonna appreciate the value. Has a couple of silent issues, but I think at night is gonna be phenomenal. Like it's there's, gonna hide that. There's qualities of the ride that I think like, we just don't have time to appreciate yet. I mean, aside from from things on paper, the amazing scenery and the storytelling and stuff. I mean, just as a, just from a roller coaster standpoint, just a coaster merit. I mean, what a well designed, well paced roller coaster. Yeah, this coaster had no theming to it. I'd still really enjoy it. It'd still be it. really good. I mean, the launches are, are all cleverly placed. I remember thinking like seven launches and, and wondering like how that was going to feel, uh, not just in relationship to the theme of the ride, but how it was going to feel just as a roller coaster. I'm like, how. Uh, I imagine a lot of pacing issues and a lot of starting and stopping and starting and stopping, but it really, it, the whole thing flows. It's actually nice that really it doesn't nicely. stop me. There's a downside where you don't get to enjoy some of the scenery aspect or some of the scenes because you're not stopping. At the same time, it's enjoyable that, like, these launches are, like, continuations. Yeah. Like, like, the motorcycle is just always flowing through the forest. You only stop once, and that's in the devil's snare, and that's, yep. that's kind of, like, the point. Um and I feel, yeah, I, I feel like because you go by some of the animatronics, like if, if you, if you, I think some of the scenes, if you looked at them too long, they wouldn't look as good. The fact that you're kind of flying. I mean, by it them. even looked like Fluffy had like one head that wasn't working. Yeah, there I was, think there was a Fluffy's couple of head was actually maybe not cooperating. It was hard to tell, but you were going by quickly enough that you wouldn't. You'd, if, if, you were, if you were to stop there or to look at it for any length of time, you would probably notice it. But because you're in motion. It's not obvious to us if it was if there was an issue with it. I don't know, but I I, I do I, I guess I would say that like the big takeaway for me is that some of the best qualities of this ride aren't just the theme, but the the coasteriness of it, and the fact that it's, it's nice just, that it has a good balance. With it's it just a really good roller coaster uh, in its own right. Aside from all of the the technical bells and whistles. There's, you know, it's easy to to build a marketable roller coaster that relies on gimmicks, but this ride just has an excellent layout too. Yeah, it's got a, it's got forwards and backwards and drop track and all of these, these really cool buzzworthy things. But it also just has a a great layout with great laterals, some airtime launches, like, some some good transitions. I mean, transitions are sharp on this thing. Fabulous like, interact self interaction. Yeah, when the ride is running. An adequate number of trains. Like and it's not it's like intended. you're not supposed to see any of their trains. Like the theme is that everyone joins on a motorbike. Yeah, and they're, they're all kind of just going through the forest. The, and you're with the, like the other classes. And yeah, so kind like of it's kind of journey. it's kind of thrilling to see the other trains kind of in the distance through the forest. So yeah, I would say overall very very good ride. It was. I mean, I would never wait for a ride seven hours yeah. to say it was worth the wait. We waited in line. It was a very very enjoyable wait. We just did it the. Was ex- very it was part ride. of the experience. So yeah. We did it because we could and. Because it's Sean's birthday. And okay, it's my birthday, guys. Happy birthday. Thanks. You're 23 today. Oh, and we, we, cel- no we, we celebrated <laughs> riding Haggard's roller coaster being among the first to ride. Our very first Orlando grand yeah, opening. Yeah, our first Orlando ride opening. So I can't yeah. be mad. Yep. No, but we had a really good time. And uh, even though it was tedious waiting through some of the queue, 
I think by t- no with time because seeing these trains dispatch like yeah. when they were supposed to go like these trains are firing off like no time so I think at some point this line won't be feeling as serious as it does now kind of like off of a journey you no longer ever stand still anywhere because yeah. everything is running yeah. smooth now by and large I think considering that they set a date for opening and, and they're like we're opening in. this ride it opens on the 13th and they and it actually opened and people actually wrote it it wasn't like it was open for an hour or two hours like it was open most of the day i mean we i mean after we left it went down for about an hour and a half two hours due to weather and due to delays so there's people who literally waited more than 12 hours to we ride had, we had friends but way behind us in line that we 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 you know we high fived them on our way out and they still had a good four hours of queue time ahead of them. They yeah, got but on. we literally slept and then we woke up and they just got off the ride. Yeah, <laughs> we went home and took a four hour nap and <laughs> and our friends had just gotten off the ride and we're like, well, I'm just glad you wrote it. Like, I'm just glad you got on. And I think about how many people were in front of them in line and I think, well, it obviously could have gone a lot worse because a he- I think a huge number of people actually got to ride rode too. this ride. They set out. They set out to ride this ride. If you if you got if you got to the park at a relatively decent hour, you you probably got on the ride. And, um, you know, you could do a lot worse than that. And if you want to seek out pictures of how like, we were routed and how busy it was, we have we have a report online on thecoastkings.com that's going to show you. And it's, it's called, like, how we braved a 10-hour line or whatever. Yeah, yeah. How we um, survived our 10-hour wait for – or 10-hour with air quotes. Yeah, so, so we take a look exact, at it. We really – I mean, we waited – we really – from the time that the ride opened... We only waited about four hours. Because the ride opened yeah. at nine, and we were off the ride and done and exiting at, like, one o'clock. Yeah. So about four hours. But, um, yeah, so look it up. You can kind of see what, where we got rerouted and how it all looked and how they organized it. That's kind of nice. Um, other than that, if you are, like, kind of deciding whether or not to plan a vacation around this ride, I would say yes. I would I, say yeah. this is a really, really, really important attraction, in if the realm have, of yeah. modern modern theme park If you haven't been to Universal in a while, come anyway, because you haven't been here in a while. If but even come, if you've been if last you come here year, all the time, this is a reason to go back. If you come all the time, come anyway, because, you know, I don't think the ride is... Knock on wood, I don't think the ride is going to be that much of an operational nightmare. This isn't going to be lightning rod. I don't think it's going to be... Also, it's, it's Universal. They're going to do anything they can to get this thing open. It's the, like the most like, marketable thing they have right now. The fact that they... That they... I mean, they've only... The ride's only been operational for three weeks. All of the testing, everything. I mean, the training. I mean, they 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 worked. Ma- they, they, it was they worked magic getting wow. this thing Their open on time. I really there. do. I really <laughs> the, the the if people think that the magic of Wizarding World is all fake and theatrical, I mean, there is nothing short of 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 witchcraft that allowed for this ride to open on time. It's true. <laughs> Even the final words. Um, go out and ride this thing. I give it. I give it a solid nine. That's pretty high. For out of you. ten, I think. People. I know that's. It's. 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 I don't normally give rides such high praise on the first ride, but it's um, everything that went right with this ride and everything about it that is new and special and so much of what people have been asking for and desperate for. You know, give us a roller coaster. Give us a real roller coaster. Give us audio animatronics. Give us uh, an original story. I mean, it it it, it was so many. They listened. They listened. It was really so did. many things that so many people wanted, and like you have got, you've just got to give credit where credit's due. Yeah, yeah. I would say it's it's definitely. And I say after we ride it a few more resort. times, 
and we don't have to wait for seven hours, and we get some night rides on it, and the trees grow in. I mean, you're looking at a contender for the resort's can, best ride. Yeah, it can only go up from here. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, the fact that we had such a great experience on opening day, it's kind of like this thing. The longer I wait for a ride, the more bothered I am by it, and yeah. then, like, the least impressed I am. Yeah. I still go out that thing thinking, like, wow, this yeah. is a really fun ride. The I fact, really enjoyed my ride on this. The fact that we waited seven hours for it and still had a great time and came off feeling satisfied... That yeah, it's gonna tell you something. Lot. Yeah, because I mean, there were people on the queue with us that were so over it in the hallways, and they were just like, I mean, they were over over it. Yeah. And like, we got off the ride and we saw them, and they and were they excited. Were like, oh my god, you excited. guys! Like, this was amazing. So that no, it's good. It's a good indicator of things. Yeah. So I congrats to Universal. They've they've got a serious hit on their hands, and um, I can't wait to ride it again. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm really happy. Can't wait to I'm so glad we movie. have it 10 minutes away from our house. It's true. <laughs> All right, guys. This was Sean. Alex. We'll be back soon with more episodes, um, including some of the Europe stuff we haven't talked about yet. Um, oh Japan God. Part 2. We two. have so much to talk about. We have a lot coming up. Uh, we just launched a Six Flags Great Adventure first the Cedar Point podcast. Check that out. It's super crazy, but and, it's really And fun. we have like 10 articles that we're writing right now. So you guys need to make sure you go to thecoastofkings.com. Follow us on the web. We have a new Ohio Coast of Kings Instagram page for all of our Ohio stuff. Yep. Um, so make sure you uh, you get on that, share our podcast with people because we want to get our word out there. And uh, we'll see you um, in the Forbidden Forest. Bye. <laughs>